Hello folks, welcome to the Goose is Loose, episode number three. Uh, I told you guys before that I'd be releasing these on Friday earlier. That was a lie, obviously, because you're about to get this uh, probably 6.45 at the earliest p.m. Turns out that law school doesn't really allow me to hang out and make podcasts during the week. Uh, but I will keep trying. Hopefully you'll be able to get this in the morning. Otherwise, a lot of you listen throughout the week and you listen in the morning on your way to work, as I thought you would. Um, I'm judging that based on the amount of responses and messages I got on Tuesday morning. So probably you'll be listening to this on Monday or Tuesday um, or over your weekend. So anyways, welcome. The goose is officially loose. Topics. Here we go. We're going to be talking about Trump's tariffs and how dumb that is. We're going to be talking about the YouTube shooter because that just happened. Uh, Facebook and they're trying to scramble to make sure you don't leave. Trump versus Amazon. Trump's doing all kinds of dumb things. Uh, and Trump's sending a National Guard to the border. I actually have some good thoughts about that. Uh, and if we have enough time, those are a lot of topics, but I will talk about visualizing your goals and how important that is. Okay, let's start with Trump's tariffs. So our intelligent president has just started a trade war with China, okay? Uh, if you don't know where China is, if you look at the bottom of anything you own, it will say made in China. That's those people. They make stuff. Uh, we don't really make stuff anymore. We used to make stuff. But now we are a service economy. So if you are going to get into a battle with, uh, <laughs> with China, that's bad news. Here's what's going to happen. So Trump first said, listen, we're going to put about $50 billion worth of tariffs on incoming Chinese products. And he's not talking about shoes. He wasn't talking about clothes, which almost all your clothes will come from China. And your shoes absolutely will come from China. Uh, he's talking about... I don't know if this is better or worse, actually. He's talking about household items. He's talking about technology. Um, and that is going to be a lot of things as well. So you're going to definitely see, and he admitted to this, by the way. He said that the price we're going to pay, the pain we're going to feel, is going to make us a stronger country. I don't think that's true. Uh, nobody before Trump has ever thought that was true. Uh, so Trump is kind of making up his own economics. And let me just say this, by the way. This is not even on my notes. Now, this is just pissing me off. Tariffs have always been a bad idea, okay? They have never, I mean, historically, they have not worked. They never worked. George W. Bush tried this with the steel tariffs. Those did not work. So this is this is a little different than Reaganomics, like where it works on paper, where you're like, oh, on paper this should work, but in real life it doesn't work. I'm talking about trickle-down. Trickle-down doesn't work if you look at the uh, wages and how they've stagnated for the middle class. It just hasn't worked. Now, that may, that's just for current capitalism. But tariffs have never worked. On paper, they don't work. I learned this in like a, I learned this in community college economics class I took. They explain to you what uh, tariffs do to the market and how they artificially raise prices for things. And then if you go online, you do a little bit of reading, you find out, holy crap, they don't work anywhere. Um, it's really that simple. It's not. It, it's not like this crazy complicated thing. Almost always, it's going to hurt your economy and your and your. Um, your citizens will be paying for it, and that's what we're going to be seeing here. In response to Trump saying we'll put $50 billion, potentially $100 billion worth of tariffs on China, China says, well, screw you, we can do the same thing, and we just might, uh, which would hurt us tremendously because our exports are already very weak. Uh, we already aren't very competitive in a world market because of our employment laws and all sorts of laws that we have here. And, of course, countries that don't do as well as us 
are very liberal with their laws so they can pay people whatever you're willing to pay them essentially and they can have much worse working conditions and their products are much cheaper they have a comparative advantage right if you don't know what a comparative advantage is it means that even though the united states may do everything better than somebody even if that's true it doesn't pay us to do everything better than somebody right somebody may be able to make bananas much cheaper than we can make bananas or even though if it's not cheaper, it would be better for us to be making, you know, spaceships instead of making bananas because it's a waste of our time to make bananas when you can make spaceships. So if you don't know what that is, you should look that up. It's very important. Um, I've, I've had a lot of people argue with me about these tariffs. Uh, of course, not someone like Ben Shapiro, but more people who just are really strong Trump supporters but don't quite understand what tariffs do to, um, to an economy. And basically, protectionism, right, this idea is not only outdated. I mean, the, the global market has, is, is here. It's today, especially with the Internet. The market's smaller than ever. You can buy something from, you know, France. You can, you can buy things that are more competitive on a global scale. Protectionism is not going to work, especially when you're trying to protect areas that are just not coming back, right? You're talking, when Trump does this with energy or Trump is doing this with all sorts of things, we're not getting those back. What's more likely going to happen is you're just going to be paying a higher price for the same product. So you're still going to buy your made-in-China TV. It'll just be more expensive, but it'll still be less expensive than the American-made TV. Anyways, so that's dumb. Uh, here's why Trump's doing it, though. So I, want, I don't want to just you know crap on his plan, even though it's a very dumb plan, uh, and a lot of businesses are opposed to it. Here's why he's doing that. The problem with China is that China does not enforce patents very well. So if you have an idea or you have a patent or you have a technology, uh, some Chinese would just steal it. They'll just steal it and they'll just start making it cheaper. They'll undercut you and they'll screw you over. This happens all the time. Um, the Chinese don't really do anything about that, so everyone's really upset about that. Uh, and it, something else the Chinese do, which is it's not, it's almost illegal, right? The World Trade Organization says you shouldn't do this. And that is, they give loans to their citizens at very low interest rates. The government does. So a lot of the products that come out of China are government-funded. The government says, hey, here's a ton of money. Develop new technology. Uh, and although that happens a little bit in the United States, it's not quite the same thing. It's not actually government-funded discovery for the private sector. right? You have that for military all the time. Obviously, that's where most of our technology comes from. But they do that for the private sector. Uh, and the World Trade Organization, for some reason, says you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, Trump heard about this, and as a child that he is, he stomped his feet, and he got very angry, and he said, how dare they? I'll show them. I'll impose tariffs. That's always worked. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of tariffs. I, I like small governments. I like free markets. There are very few times I want to restrict someone's rights or I want to make a law about something. Although, to be fair, I have been pulled a little bit to the left just because of how stupid I've seen people be, uh, especially this election cycle. I, I lose a lot of faith in people uh, when you elect Donald Trump and then you consistently defend him all the time about everything. And then you change your entire party's values to follow the guy when he's talking about tariffs. Uh, and he's completely going left on guns. Let's just remember for one second, before I get to the next topic, let's just remember for one second, it wasn't the black Muslim Barack Obama, right? The guy was a great family man. The guy was a Christian. Nobody cared about that. It was Donald Trump, the great Christian, the guy who sleeps with model uh, with uh, porn stars, the guy who's cheated on his wife and usually marries the woman he's cheated on her with 
and he's on his third wife. It's this guy that everyone wants to line up behind. And then he says something like, first we take the guns, and then we can do the due process. <laughs> okay, first we take the guns, then we do the due process. That makes no sense, okay? That's literally taking your guns. Everyone always says, oh, Obama's coming. That dirty Obama's coming for our guns. Obama, that Muslim's coming for our guns. Trump literally said, first we take the guns, then we do the due process. So just just spare me, okay? Just, man, sometimes it just drives me insane. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Okay, so there we go. Trump's tariffs, moronic move, trade war with China. You're going to be paying much much more for everything, and you're not going to win, by the way. Okay, moving on. The YouTube shooter. I'm not going to say their name because I follow the... Uh, I follow the tactic of not saying shooters' names because I think it does encourage copycats. If you look at the rate of gun ownership to mass shootings, uh, they don't line up. What lines up dramatically is one shooter and then a bunch of shooters follow them. So I don't think it's the more guns you have, the more mass shootings you have. I think it's the publicity that these people have gotten in the news has inspired a lot of copycats. Uh, so I do follow that. Uh, but it is important to say she wasn't a Muslim. A lot of right-wing websites came out saying she was a Muslim right away. She was a smaller uh, religion from Persia, is what she followed. I'm not going to dare say the name because I don't know how to pronounce that. She bought her gun legally. She bought a handgun. Uh, essentially, she only injured four people. One person, like, twisted their ankle, so don't even count that. She shot three people. One person, like, I don't know, fell running away. Uh, she was a leftist. She was, you know, supporting animal rights, which, you know, I don't believe in. She was, uh, although, let me say this, by the way. I don't believe in animal rights, but, but I'm starting to maybe say, okay, maybe, like, don't kill animals for fun. I might, I might be there, okay? You might be able to get me on don't kill animals for fun. I saw a video, and if you are prone to having a bad day, or I'm going to make you very sad, uh, skip about 15 seconds ahead. Here's what happens. This teenage kid throws a puppy into like a lake or something full of alligators or crocodiles. I'm not really sure which one. And it's trying to swim back, and this gigantic crocodile, I kid you not, you could see it moving in the water like like the Loch Ness Monster, comes out and just one swoop eats this thing. And this kid just threw it in there. I don't know why. So you might have me on don't kill animals for funsies on the animal rights. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go any further than that. But this lady was. So she is out there protesting, um, testing on animals and whatnot. She's a leftist. Uh, and the reason she shot up YouTube is because they demonetized her video, but it looked like her videos were garbage. If you went to watch any of them, they were really creepy. So she's a crazy person. Here's the problem, okay? The police, so her dad calls the police. He says, yo, my daughter is crazy. She might do something. Uh, if you find her, you know, grab her. And the cops are like, yeah, dude, no problem, whatever. We're the cops. We're well-trained. So... <laughs> So the cops find this lady. She's sitting in her car. She's asleep or whatever she was doing. They talk to her and they go, nah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Your dad says you're crazy and you're gonna, you might kill somebody, but we don't think so. Here's the problem, okay? And this is the same problem with all the officer shootings that we've seen, right? Cops just aren't trained very well. So if you listen to the Jocko podcast, which I just started to, Jocko talk, was talking about uh, just occupation in Iraq by military troops and Vietnam, right? This is a very similar situation. And you had troops having to be trained on how to engage somebody who could be a civilian 
or who could be a combatant, but you didn't know, right? And there's all this, all these engagement tactics. And if you shot civilians, you were held responsible. A little bit less in Vietnam than today, but you were still held responsible. We just don't have that right now in, in, in the way cops work. Cops just aren't really held responsible. And listen, I don't agree with every video, right? I've seen almost every video of a questionable shooting, and I don't agree with all of them. For example, the gentleman with the holding the pipe that looked like a gun recently. That looked like a gun, okay? If you're talking to me, if you give me a gun, mind you, I have, I have no training in any of this, right? I have some hand-to-hand -hand combat training, but I have no training in handling a weapon. But let's say you give me a gun, and, I'm, and I hear and I get a bunch of calls about a guy with a gun and he's pointing a gun at people and I pull up and there's this guy with a metal pipe pointing it at me and it looks like a gun on first instance. I'm shooting that guy. <laughs> I might say, put your weapon down, put your weapon down. And if he doesn't do it, I'm shooting that guy because I got to come home to my wife. I get that. You know what I mean? But there's too many cases where someone's not armed or someone is complying or someone is lightly resisting you uh, that things escalate too quickly. And there's times where the cops just outright murder somebody, and I think that's happened as well. And sometimes they get away scot-free, um, and that's just crap. Now I'm thinking of the gentleman, I forget, I forget his name, who had a gun in his car, and he told the officer to have a gun. He's like, let me get my permit for you. And he just said, let me get my permit. He's going for his permit. The cop says, don't reach for it. Like, he's going to reach for the gun and shoot him? <laughs> what? Like, the guy's going to tell him he has a gun and then grab it. And then he shoots him four times in the chest in front of his family. See, that's murder. Okay, that's called murder, and people should go away for a long time for that. Um, but another case is like there's a guy with a metal pipe, and he's pointing at you like it's a gun, and you have to make a split-second decision. You know, I get that. My point in doing that minute and a half about that is that we have to train officers better. There has to be more training. They're under-trained. It's crazy. They should have at least the training that the military does. The military is out there being able to discriminate between combatants and non-combatants and we're not and officers just aren't so there's a proposal in california to essentially change the way that officers engage and forcing them to de-escalate things or face harsher charges and i think that's absolutely true i would love to hear some feedback if you disagree with me but you have to remember police officers are public servants police officers aren't like the death squad that runs the country they serve you to protect and serve, right? That's the quotes. So absolutely, I believe they should be forced to de-escalate much more often. Listen, if you have to use lethal force, you have to use lethal force. But you also have a taser. You also have a baton. Uh, you also have some hand-to-hand -hand combat experience. There's all sorts of things you could do before you shoot somebody. And when you run into a crazy person, like the YouTube shooter, you should probably search him. I know. You should probably be like, huh, I search kids who I stop over with pot all the time. I search their car. I search people at checkpoints, essentially ask them a bunch of questions with, for no reason. Here I am. I got a call about this lady. I found her. She seems kind of weird. She's sleeping in her car. Why don't I just see if she has any guns? Eh, why not? Just figure out what she's doing here. Figure out why. Maybe I detain her for a little bit. I take some heat from the uh, defense attorney. But, you know, okay, I did, you know, maybe the public defender comes and yells at me a little bit, but at least people don't die. So it's tough. It's a tough case because, you know, I, I'm not saying cops have to be uh, therapists and psychiatrists, but when you run into somebody who you just got a phone call about from her dad saying she might be insane and might be killing some people, we, you might want to look into that. Okay. 
Let's touch up real quick on Facebook and what's going on. Facebook, uh, so now I know I told you last week, I think I've, I said 50 million. Now the number's 87 million. So let's recap real quick. If you went on Facebook and they said it was about 200 to 300,000 people and you took a little quiz and you gave them all your information, what you allowed them to do, and this is of course Cambridge Analytica, what you allowed them to do was go through every single friend of yours and scrape their profile, essentially take all their information, create a profile about them to be able to target them in political ads. Um, Facebook knew about this, Facebook allowed it to happen, Facebook was making a good amount of money from this, so they just kept their mouth shut until it blew up in their face. Um, so a few people that I know are already not using Facebook any longer. The problem with that, of course, is that there's no competition, really. There's no other format or place that has, um, or any place that has real, you know, your friends aren't using any other platform. So it's tough for you to switch because you're going to switch and you're going to be on, you know, whatever that Google thing is by yourself. Hopefully something picks up, like Facebook took over MySpace. Hopefully something picks up. Um, we don't know. Maybe at some point. Uh, right now, Facebook is still dominant. Facebook hasn't lost much. And now, of course, they're trying to fix it. So what are they doing? They're putting out something called an honest ad uh, proposal, a bill, some legislation they're putting forth. Mark Zuckerberg's putting this forth. Essentially, what it would require is, you know, it's funny because they dominate the space, but this is a restriction on the space. Uh, what it would require is that anybody buying an ad on Facebook, where they're from, and they'd have to verify themselves, essentially to make sure they're not Russian trolls, right? Essentially to make sure they're not Russian bots. Um, this is interesting because it's not like Facebook didn't know who they were selling the information to. It's not like Cambridge Analytica was like, oh yeah, we're going to use this to help you know sell more juice boxes. That's all we're doing. They knew it was for political purposes. They had to know. There's no way they didn't know. Uh, if you Google Cambridge Analytica, you can see you can see their affiliations, right? You can see who funded them. You can see all the stuff. So, and it's uh, it's very surprising. So this is really a PR stunt from Facebook's end, uh, because of course they could do this without passing legislation. So uh, they're trying hard. Don't be fooled by this. They absolutely backstabbed you, um, and it had a big effect on the election. So. I know people say, oh, no, that's fake news, blah, blah, blah. Let's just all remember that fake news during the election not only worked for Donald Trump much better than it worked for Hillary Clinton, it was also shared much more often than real news was. So, for example, the fact that the uh, there was an article out that said the Pope approved of Donald Trump got circulated much more often than any of his bankruptcy stories, any of his um, sexual misconduct stories. So fake news really worked out for Donald Trump uh, and, of course, Facebook helped them, in a sense, by being so lax and greedy for money. Okay, we're going to move on. Trump versus Amazon. So Trump is just against the free market at this point. I don't know if anybody's noticed this. Trump, for being such a big businessman, has just been trying to take down the free market. Um, and notice that after he did this, Amazon stock went down. Of course, the whole market stock has been falling, free-falling, essentially, because of his tariffs, uh, or his comments on tariffs at the very least. And Trump is no longer pointing to the stock market. So all you Trump supporters and all you right-wingers who are saying, look at Trump and the stock market, oh my God, he's bringing the country back, mega, 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 everything's back, we're running the country, we're running the world. Well, <laughs> and we're back to reality, that's not really happening. Mind you, let's all remember, that the stock market grew at a rate that has been growing under Obama the whole time. There wasn't really anything that crazy. It was on the same trajectory, 
Okay, so it wasn't like you know when you look at the when you're looking at the trajectory and you see uh, in there 2008 and it takes a huge spike down. It didn't take a huge spike up when Trump took office. There was some speculation. Yeah, there was, there was definitely a bull market. Things were going up um, just on the fact that they thought Trump was going to be super pro business and they thought this and that. It wasn't wild. It wasn't like Trump talking about. At one point, this is how dumb Trump is. At one point, Trump compared raising the stock market to lowering the de the national debt. Okay, that's not how things work. And if you believe him, uh, you should do a lot more studying or a little bit of reading or anything before you vote. It scares me that you vote if you believe them when he said that. So here's the thing. <laughs> it's unrelated, right? The stock market and the debt are unrelated. I just want you to know that before I move on because it's very important to me that you understand that Trump is just making stuff up. Okay, so now Trump's a populist, right? Obviously, he's a lefty populist. He's always been a New York City Democrat. Uh, just because he says things that are offensive to you, I'm talking to liberals, doesn't mean he's not one of you. He's one of you a lot of times. Uh, that's why I said during the election that Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders were very similar candidates. They're both outsiders. They're both populists. Uh, they both had these huge infrastructure spending bills. They had some policy differences, but they were very similar candidates. Um, and here we see it. Anyways, so Trump's attacking Amazon. Why is Trump attacking Amazon? Two reasons. One, he thinks Amazon has taken advantage of the post office, uh, which I will tell you in a second, it's not. Spoiler. And two, he thinks it's killing mom and pop shops. And that's a much more uh, nuanced argument. So let's deal with the first one first. Oh, and by the way, he doesn't like Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, who owns the Washington Post. So he thinks that for some reason, uh, the Washington Post is always going after him. Mostly it's because he's a moron. Um, but he thinks that, you know, for some reason, Jeff Bezos has something to do with this. So he's attacking Amazon, hoping to hurt Jeff Bezos, whatever. Trump, Trump's a moron. Okay. So here's what happens. Amazon actually helps the post office. Every single deal. This is very important. Don't miss this. Every single deal. Okay. The post office makes has to be profitable by law, by the nature of who they are. It has to make them money. Okay, the post office has been working on, I think it's a $2 billion deficit every year. Every year they lose $2 billion. And they've been losing a little, about the same. Why is that good news? Because every day people send less stuff, right? Most of the stuff people send are packages. Nobody sends me a letter anymore. Nobody sends me, you know, unless, besides wedding invites from my friends, I don't get anything in the mail except bills. So, Email, text messages. Why would I mail someone a picture when I can? they can have it in you know, 0.5 seconds from my phone? So the post office has been struggling forever. Amazon's actually helped them come back. And here's why. So it's not only Trump. Uh, it's also USP or UPS and a few other parcel carriers are kind of upset. Here's why. I'm going to explain something to you. So the post office has two businesses, really, okay? They have the parcel business, which is supposed to be their competitive business, and they have a monopoly on letters. So you can't really send someone a letter without the post office, right? They have a, they have a government-granted monopoly. Now, 5.5% of their income to cover their costs has to come from the parcel business. But in reality, it's almost 30% that comes from the parcel business. It's raising every year, right, because of the rise of online shopping and Amazon and yada yada. So basically UPS's argument is, hey, listen, that 5.5% has to be higher so that the post office has to raise their parcel prices because they're basically subsidizing themselves and keeping their prices low and shipping parcels. Because we can't ship stuff that cheap because we don't have a monopoly on letters. You have a monopoly on letters, it allows you to ship, to ship things 
cheaper, and that's why. So anyways, it's not just Trump that's upset about this, but that was happening a long time before Trump. Uh, but Trump's argument is you're hurting the post office, and that is simply not true. Amazon, if anything, has saved the post office. Okay, his second argument is you're killing mom and pop stores. Now listen, I just don't care about this, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> Brick and mortar businesses, you're going out of town. It's innovate or die. This is the free market. It's not like Amazon decided to kill all these businesses. It's that the consumer decided, I want to buy things online. I want to go to a store. I want to see it. I want to touch it. And maybe if I can find it online for cheaper, you know, I will buy it on Amazon. I do this all the time with shoes because I have weird feet. So I will go, I have oddly wide feet and thick feet. So I will go and look at a shoe in the store. I'll try them on. If it fits great, I'll look online. If it's five or $10 cheaper, yeah, probably 10 bucks. That's probably my, that's probably my, if it's five bucks, I'll just buy it. Then I'll have it then. But if it's like 10 bucks cheaper, then I'll just buy it online. And I get 3% back on Amazon, right? I have a little Amazon credit card. So Amazon is just providing a better service at a better price. I'm, I'm not sure how you're going to be upset about this. It's a better service at a better price. So I'm, I'm not sure why Trump's doing this. Of course, he's trying to um, pull everybody away from the gun control argument because you have the Parkland kids still in the news cycle uh, pushing for gun control. Oh, and let me add, I didn't really talk about this during the YouTube shooter section of this episode, but... Have you noticed how much how little coverage this has gotten in mainstream media? Mainstream media just kind of saw this and said, "Ah, what are you going to do?" and moved on. Well, it's because, of course, it's a white. It's not a white. It's not a white male. It is a uh, minority woman. So that's you know that's fault number one. Uh, she was literally crazy. So that's not good either for their arguments. Um, she bought a handgun, and if the problem, if if you go after this on handguns, you're really going after all guns. And even though, even if you want to take away all guns, you know that's a bad place to start, right? When you want to take away a right like the Second Amendment, you got to chip at it. You can't go at it at the throat. So even if you're someone who wants to take away all guns from the public, this isn't a good case for you, especially if she didn't kill anybody. And there's a lot of jokes about the pay gap here, that, she, that she's a very ineffective mass shooter. Um, I find those offensive and sexist, and I will not indulge them except on my Facebook page where you can find all of these posts and they're hilarious. So, <laughs> so yeah, the mainstream media is not really going to talk about this one. It doesn't fit the narrative that they're trying to push. Uh, it pushes, it's talking about handguns and of course that's not going to fit them. If this was an AR, this would get a little bit more, uh, would get a little bit more screen time. And I will say, of course, if this was an AR, she probably would have killed more people because she would have had more bullets and she would have a much more tactical weapon for killing people. I still, I still believe that, of course. Uh, I still believe AR should be much more difficult to get, but I think handguns should be given out like candy. Um, maybe not quite like candy, but pretty close. Maybe candy, maybe candy to kids with cavities. That's what. Just very, very carefully, very thoughtfully given out. Uh, so that's why that's not getting mentioned. But Trump is definitely trying to switch the uh, switch the narrative here. Okay. Last topic for the day, and here's an idea that was unpopular, but I actually don't. I'm actually not mad at it. This is one that the goose is not mad at. Is Trump sending national the National Guard to help with Border Patrol? Okay, this is actually very pragmatic. I'm not mad at this at all. So Trump's not getting his wall. Okay, it's not it's not happening. He's actually trying to shift the conversation and make it seem like, oh well, parts of the walls that are getting fixed, that's kind of like me putting up a wall, which of course is baloney. It makes no sense at all. It's not new wall. Uh, although I will say that in some parts of the fence, it is fence, and that's why I call it that. It's not really a wall. 
But you also have to think of the natural barriers you're dealing with. People have to cross, you know, just miles and miles of desert to get to the points where the wall is not really that much of a wall, but it's almost it's a life-threatening journey. Um, again, for my trip to the wall that I took with my class in undergrad, my senior year, studying the uh, immigration laws, people die all the time. You'll there's skulls out there, there are corpses out there. People die all the time. People die from working with the cartel, trying to get smuggled in. Women get raped violently trying to make deals coming over. Uh, it's a terrible, it's a terrible practice. It's awful. You know, it's uh, and people die. There's a there's some um, yeah, people die in all kinds of things. I don't want to get into much into how much people die, but people die all the time just trying to cross the border. Um, so, but when I did speak to Border Patrol, they said, listen, we don't need more infrastructure. We need more technology. We don't even really need more people. We really just need more technology. So I understand Trump thinking, okay, well, if I can't have the wall, then I'll simply send more people. Uh, and, I, and of course, I just said that's not really going to help. But here is what's going to help. On top of this mission that Trump's trying to set up, they're also bringing more technology. And that, to me, seems like a smart move. So the National Guard is going to come up with military-style technology and allow the Border Patrol to use some of that and to help them in managing their technology and managing their surveillance. That is going to help. Absolutely, that's going to help. Um, you're going to catch a lot more drugs, a lot more smugglers, a lot more uh, people crossing over than you would without it. Absolutely, 100%. Here's the thing, right? Here's the other issue. Um, the main way drugs get into the country is not people. And I just and if you're, yeah, if you're uneducated about this, I just really want you to imagine this, okay? The higher the wall, it doesn't make a difference because the majority of drugs are not people just throwing bags over the wall, okay? There's not like a team of people over in Mexico who just throw little bags of. Uh, of pot and cocaine and whatever over the wall and then somebody on the other side catches it. That's not really how it works. How it works is the cartel will hire an engineer from South America, pay him, you know, whatever it takes to build a tunnel underneath the wall. They'll spend a million dollars on this on building a tunnel. The tunnel will let out right on the other side of the wall and then they'll pass through a first shipment of drugs of about a million dollars and they'll make all of their money back, right? Because the upsell on drugs is unbelievably high. It's like soda, you know, the, the upcharge on soda is crazy. Soda's worth like two cents, they charge you a dollar. That's how drugs are. They sell you, you know, they, they ship over some cheap marijuana, they sell you a $40, you know, 20 sack, it's crazy. But they get away with it. So they make all their money back. That's what you have to watch out for is the cartel will get around this thing. And, of course, it's traditional. I've been saying this, and I keep saying this, but people don't listen to me. Traditional ports of entry. So when you're driving in Mexico, you have to talk to that guy. Oh, yeah, I'm going to Mexico because I want to get wasted and see strippers or whatever you tell the guy. And then when you come back, they go, hey, what were you doing in Mexico? Or they go, welcome back to America. So at that point, when you're dealing with that guy, think of this. You're, think, you're dealing with one guy. Now, if your car is full of drugs, okay, this is what the cartel does, or you have a truck full of drugs, and that one guy walks up to you and says, hi, what are you going to be doing in the United States? And you, instead of saying anything, just pull out a bag of $100,000 and you give it to him or, you know, whatever, and you tell him, be quiet or we'll kill you and your family. What do you think that guy does? He says, very good, sir. Welcome to the United States. Thank you. Have a great day. 
That's the problem. That's the majority of drugs coming into the country's traditional ports of entry. That exact scenario I just described to you happens all the time. How do I know? Well, Border Patrol has a wall of these people. It's called the wall of shame. You can look this up. It's their wall of shame of people who have turned and become uh, or at least given in to the cartel. There is a ton of corruption on the border. A ton. Border Patrol agents are, you know, they're looked down upon. They're not the best of the best. You know, when Border Patrol sends their people, they're not sending their best. They're rapists. They're murderers. Am I right, Donald? And that's what you get. So, they, so yes, I welcome the help. Um, I think building a wall is moronic. So sending in the National Guard is a much smarter move. Uh, Barack Obama actually did this in, let's see here, 2010. He sent in 1,200 National Guard troops to help with the Border Patrol. And by the way, People that tell me Barack Obama was not hard on immigration. He literally was the hardest president on immigration, on illegal immigration, that there's ever been. He deported more people than anybody ever. And then here he is, sending in the National Guard. Listen, I'm not a big fan of Barack Obama, but people make me defend this guy all the time. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, the program costs $110 million per year, sending in uh, 1,200 National Guard troops to the wall. So we'll see what Donald Trump does. I'm sure those costs have gone up. That was almost a decade ago, 2010, if you can actually believe that. Uh, that was eight years ago, so we'll see those costs absolutely went up. Uh, but anyways, I think it's a good idea. I like it. I think it'll help. Uh, I will think it'll help illegal immigration. Do I think it's a huge need? No, I don't think it's a huge need. I like it better than building a wall. Uh, and, I, and he's talking about pulling some troops out of Syria. I like that too. I think if you can use your money, your military spending a lot more wisely by doing this, right? What country doesn't protect their borders? This is great. This is much better than protecting someone else's borders, right? There's many more troops protecting other countries' borders than our own borders right now. So let's get those guys back here, throw some guys on the border, take the rest of that money, and make college free. How about that? Uh, quick side note, to make college free for everybody for the whole year, it's like $70 billion extra. So it's $170 billion for all for all of schooling for the entire country, for the entire year. Uh, but we'll, we'll rather spend $700 billion helping, you know, mining other countries for oil and growing heroin in other countries so we can sell it, so we can fund the CIA. So that might be next year, next week's topic. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm for free college, but I'm certainly not for spending a bunch of money overseas that the taxpayer never gets to actually see the benefit from. Okay, that is that. Let's talk about visualizing goals. I'll give you one minute, okay? One minute on visualizing your goals because I think visualizing is super important. I am that weird guy that talks to himself all the time. I talk to myself all the time. I talk to myself in the shower. I talk to myself in my car. And I talk to myself about situations that I want to be in, right? So right now, I'm applying for um, legal internships for the summer. If you are a lawyer and you're listening to this for some miraculous reason, I need an internship. Or if you know somebody who has an internship available, please tell me. Uh, I am out on the hunt for uh, legal internships. And what do I do? I sit in my shower sometimes and I act like I'm in an interview, right? I act like I ask myself a question and I answer it as well as well as I can. Um, sometimes I think of myself in trial because I want to be a trial lawyer. And I go through what I would say in a trial with fictitious facts, of course, just making stuff up. But I want to speak and I want to imagine like I'm there and I want to visualize it. I want to visualize being successful. Um and that's, that's huge. You have to be able to see yourself there. It makes it more real. It makes it feel like it's achievable, at least for me. Like, you know, being coming from where I came from and being able to go to law school on a scholarship, it's like I had to vision, I had to envision that. 
I had to think of myself being successful. I had to see myself doing well. I imagined it and I believed it. And more is you have to love the process, right? Visualize your goals, love the process because the goal is far away, right? You're going to have your six-month goal, your one-year goal, your five-year goal, your 10-year goals. I have all of those. I imagine myself having a big house with kids. I imagine myself doing all this stuff. I visualize it. I visualize being a successful lawyer with a gorgeous wife, which I already have, with a bunch of gorgeous kids, which is inevitable. Have you seen my wife? So I visualize that, and then I think, how do I get there? And it's the process. It's going to law school. It's doing this. It's working hard. You know, uh, And I have to love the process. I start trying to convince yourself. Your mind is easily convinced, my friends. If you convince your mind that you like studying or that at least it's fun or that at least you like how it feels when you're done, You'll believe it. And if you believe it, you can achieve it. So I, I'm talking myself into loving reading for law school. I'm talking myself into loving going to class. I'm getting back in shape right now, right? I, I, was, I got out of shape from first year of being married in law school and a, a slight McDonald's addiction. And I blew up to like 255. And then I thought, you know what? I need to get back in shape. I need to start working out again. And the way you start working out again is you start loving the problem. You visualize yourself, step one, you visualize yourself in shape. How do you want to look? Imagine yourself there. Imagine how you'd feel. Imagine the confidence. Visualize it. Got it? Awesome. Now love the process. Love going to the gym. Love how you feel when you shower after the gym. That's what you have to do. You have to first visualize and you have to love the process. Thank you so much guys for listening. This has been the Goose is Loose episode number three. Um, if, Like I said always, if you have questions, Shoot them my way. If you want me to talk about something next week, please let me know. If you disagree, that's always my favorite. If you disagree with me, let me know. If you want to get lunch with me and you're in the OC area, I will do that. Uh, I'm actually getting lunch with somebody next Thursday, I think. Um, I think we just disagreed on something and he wanted to talk it out. And I said, fantastic. Let's do it. Um, sharing of ideas is what the Goose is Loose is all about. So thank you very much. I'll see you guys next week.